Say dummy copy. Dummy copy. Howdy! Welcome to Dummy Copy, a book show where we talk about books. We're going balls out because we tried to do this once before and the thing died. So, hey yo, this is Carrie. I'm here with Claire. And. And we have a very special guest with us today. He's so special. He's, He's so special. And we brought out all the stops for him. Yep. We have ice. We have real cups. We have limes. We know that this gentleman is a man of taste and means. So we mm-hmm. brought him some ciders. Yep. Jai, maybe for the audience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. listen to that. That's the good stuff. Mm. That's the sound of <laughs> the good stuff. <laughs> That's the sound of uh, luxury right there. Yeah. The sound of luxury. And some cider. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like uh, peach lemonade. Tastes like it, too. Nice. Nice. Um, Y'all ever seen a man in a dog? (laughs) A man in a dog sweatshirt? I haven't, but I did see a dog in a man sweatshirt I actually feel like you you have a dog sweatshirt, Carrie. Do I? You're not a man, though. I'm not a man. I am no man. (laughs) Is that an insult? Is that... A weird insult. I don't... I just had to stop myself from making a million jokes. <laughs> Come on, this isn't business hours. We can't make inappropriate jokes all the time. <laughs> We're here recording at the bookstore after close. It's beautiful and dark and haunted, probably. And you can hear the nice din of the restaurant down below. Yeah. Um, sound of our drinks and our plastic cups. They are very cheery, cheerily co- colored. They right? are. Bright okay. blue, yeah. bright pink. Mm. Jai just got a can, so. Jai just got a, he's good, but we'll get the can on that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Carrie, uh, your dog in the man yeah. sweatshirt. The dog in the man sweatshirt today sort of sent me off on a weird spiral moment. Because um, we're all fine. <laughs> we were all fine today. Today was a fine, <laughs> it was a fine day. We're fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> totally fine. Carrie's coughing, but I think it was one of the most unhinged work days we've had in a while. It really was. It kind of got weird. Well, it was like snowing and then windy and it all melted and then it started snowing again and nobody was in the store except for like eight employees. <laughs> it just got weird. I don't know. Got a little weird. We were flying on pizza. We had a lot of pizza today. I was carb drunk or something drunk on grease and cheese um but yeah i saw on the way to work before it all went tits up or tits down or however you want to talk about it it was driving down the street and i heard some yelling and i looked out my window to the right and i saw a dog wearing like a burgundy human sweatshirt of like a university or something walking down the street just dragging his leash behind him okay and i would just like to clarify for the folks at home you told me earlier uh-huh. that the dog's four legs were in the sleeves yes. of the sweatshirt. The dog's legs were in the sleeves. The hood was on the back. Like, you could put the hood on him if you wanted to. If he, if he had arms that bent that way, he could have done it. But he doesn't because he's a dog. Did you catch the university? I didn't. Oh. It's probably Burgundy. dog university. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. kind of hard to get into, though. I don't it know. Is. Yeah, it is. I mean. 
Well, you he can see for money, you so. can see what it got him though, because he's on the street now. So that's that's what a university education will get you these days. And that's why I never went to that's college. Why I went to college and didn't finish. Jay <laughs> <laughs> went to college. I have a degree. You do. Yeah, in it's what? useless. <laughs> in English lit, right? Oh, English yeah. lit, yeah. yeah. Bachelor's. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. And now I work at a bookstore. Kind of makes sense. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish my degree, and now I work in a bookstore. I have, I barely graduated from high school, and now I work at a bookstore. Look at us. <laughs> We're really living the dream. Um, maybe we should hire that dog. I almost, it was like... <laughs> All I could do to not just stop and swoop the dog into my car. Because I totally was just like, oh my gosh, she's just dragging that leash. She's going to get caught on something. He's going to starve to death in a field somewhere. No, no, no. You know, like this total thing. And then I was like, oh yeah, people are yelling. And I looked and this man and woman had been like screaming at each other. And she disappeared around the corner. And he kind of came down the street and like threw himself into the entry of this building and like sl- like slid down to the ground and was just like crying and screaming, I hate you, I hate you. I hope Presumably you- not at the dog. Yeah, no, at the lady, I think. And I was like, <laughs> I hate you, I hate you. I hope you, I hope you something your heart out. And I couldn't catch what it was. I even rolled my window down because I was like, what? What did you just say? Can you repeat that? <laughs> I also came about this close to being like, you need to get your shit together and get your dog. <laughs> your dog's just running away. But like there were all of these people, like sort of like like rough kind of street people, like gathered on all of the other like three street corners, just like staring at what was going on, which I feel like it had to have been pretty dramatic to get like that many people to like stop and be like, huh? Um, but yeah, I just like, I got to work and I was like, just like so worried about this freaking dog in a sweatshirt that I saw. They got here and I was talking to our other friend and coworker, Christopher, about it. And uh, I was like, what the fuck? Like, this dog, what if he gets caught? What if the leash gets caught somewhere? He was like, well, yeah. And then like, a dog's not supposed to have a sweatshirt on. He's like, dogs are like pretty burly and they're like made for cold weather. But like, that sweat, what if it gets wet? And I was like, yeah, I can't take it off. He'll just be trapped in a wet sweatshirt. And we just had this whole like... Total, oh like, God. I've been trapped in a wet sweatshirt so before. It's so horrible. Cool. Don't wish that on a dog. Um, and I'm sure it's fine. It's busy. It's downtown Spokane. I'm sure. Also, people love their dogs. People love their dogs. People yeah. love their not dogs. That yeah. dog wandered away too far. Someone else was probably like, oh my God, a dog in a sweatshirt. And yeah, took him home. I've yeah. swooped up a dog before. Mm-hmm. Not in a sweatshirt. Yeah. Just just a dog. Just a regular yeah. ass dog. Just a nude I, dog. I, yeah. <laughs> People swoop up my sister's nude dogs all the time because <laughs> they are escape artists. Oh, yeah. That dog is fine. That dog's yeah, he's doing oh, yeah. his best. He's, he's doing right great. He's doing great. Yeah. yeah. If I see him around, though, again, if, like, if we leave here and that dog's out there, I'm taking that dog home. I'd like to clarify that the dog had fur. It wasn't like a hairless dog. No, no, no. So, it was like so a... Nude as in not wearing a burgundy sweatshirt right. of a university. Yes. No. That I am too poor to attend. I, so. I could never get in. I'm not, I'm no, not that my, good at dogging. Not... Yeah, my, my grandparents donated a building. Also, I'm a dog. Can you, I tell you guys oh. that? I thought you were just a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But I graduated magna cum laude from bitch you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I'm pretty sure it was a boy dog. <laughs> Today, this morning. Seems a little he presumptuous. Looked, he looks masculine. <laughs> yeah. He looks testicles that didn't count, Carrie. That's true. Yeah. I was too upset to look for testicles. <laughs> I'll admit it. I just assume. 
um, he was like a brown dog and looked kind of burly, kind of like pity pit pit mix, pity mix. I don't know. All dogs are, all animals are boys to me until proven otherwise. Honestly, <laughs> is that know. internalized misogyny? Maybe. Yes. Oh. Well, Jai says Our so. Resident feminist expert, Jai Slayer. Icon. Jai, what the hell is your deal with the, yeah, yeah, Jai. the only man here. The only, as the only Which, man here, please tell me your deal. I, I can say for certain that it's internalized misogyny okay. and that <laughs> you as women are wrong, but. Mm, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, be, right about, be right about your own experience, Jai. Uh, <laughs> Jai, do you have a last name? I do. It's Blair. Okay. My name is Jai Blair. I've uh, worked at Auntie's Bookstore for about two and a half years now. He started on my birthday, yes. so we know our anniversary. Yes. <laughs> it's so cute. I can't believe it's only been two and a half years. Oh, too. I know. It, it feels, feels like, like forever. We did swoop you from a bigger box yeah. bookstore. I think we can just say can, Barnes can, and can, Noble. Can, yeah, yeah, can I say so. Barnes and Noble? Barnes Noble. Yeah, yeah. I worked at Barnes and Noble for. Jesus, close to five years? Holy shit. So. Holy shit. I don't think I knew it was that long either. I just almost did a spit take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I was kind of on and off there, but yeah, probably around five years. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. When you used to come in, when you worked at Barnes Noble and trade in books at <laughs> REU's oh, bookstore, yeah. and we were just like, we were like, the next time we need to hire someone, we're hiring that guy. Like, oh, yeah. We were totally on board. Well, I have a, I, I had a moment, I don't know if our listeners know that thing where you remember something embarrassing mm-hmm. and then you like make a noise about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I call that an auditory cringe. Thank you, Alan Taylor. Um, but I used to have an auditory cringe about recommending a book to you one time. It was Memoirs of a Polar Bear by Yuko Tawada. And I saw him in the aisle, and I knew you were a regular, and I knew you had good taste, and I was like, oh, yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I remember being really enthusiastic and then just being like, that guy didn't want to fucking talk to me. <laughs> I was very embarrassed. Yeah. Now he has contrary. to talk to you all the time. <laughs> I, I actually, uh, I very much enjoy that memory. <laughs> I think it's a very good memory. Also, I, it's a great book. Still haven't read it. That's because you don't love me. <sighs> That's also true. That's because he hates polar bears. <laughs> um, was that that? That wasn't the time you came in here, like, really drunk and or high. <laughs> You're gonna have to specify. Okay, which yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's some story you were talking about. I, I, I did. I, you know, not to encourage listeners here. I don't recommend this. Um, I did come into the store one time when Edible was kicking in, mm. and I recognized that it was kicking in, and I recognized that I should not be in here, mm-hmm. and that I needed mm. to leave. But I stood in the aisle flipping through a book for probably it felt like five minutes it might have been 60 seconds it might have been 30 i don't know who knows do you remember what book it was not at all (laughs) no No? okay i just remember like shit i need to look like i'm actually browsing oh fuck they know they know (laughs) i need to leave but i also need to not be obvious about it Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. how long ago was that do you think oh geez that was 
probably a year or two before I was hired on. Okay, so, so we were pretty fully like dirtbag staff yeah. by then. Yeah, so we would all I, have been like, I was there. At that's least. fine. <laughs> We'd yeah. have been like, yeah, no, I, I knew, no, you were there. I know uh, our mutual friend Taylor was working that day. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Daniel yeah. was probably bombing around. Yeah, Daniel. Somewhere, I mean, at least in... Daniel and I used to smoke pot in, not our parking lot, a mm-hmm. different parking lot after our shows <laughs> on Sundays. Nice. Nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, then it was probably here at the time. Yeah, anyway, long story short, there was a time when um, people may have, like, clutched their pearls about that, but, yeah, everyone who works here now, more or less, is just like, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, if you were like, I'm just really high right now, we would have been like, oh, yeah, we've all been there, brother. You should probably go <laughs> home and take a bath or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably uh, what I did. Probably I don't remember. Yes. You, oh, you're also a bath guy. I am, yes. Yeah, for our know. listeners at home, Jai enjoys baths. <laughs> <laughs> Step I. Just for everyone, um, I enjoy a luxurious bath. Sometimes I buy Epsom salts. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Have you, do you ever get the CBD ones? Because they're pretty sweet. You know, I've never done mm-hmm. a CBD bath, but maybe one of these days. Looks like we know what to get somebody Ooh. for their birthday. Yep. Or, or is, our anniversary. Which, uh, yes. Because yeah. our anniversary comes before my birthday. It is true. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, uh, let's get on yeah, track here. Jai, Jai picked a book for us to read. Yes, yes we I did. tasked Jai with picking a book for us to read and sort of book club. Yes, so uh, I picked Too Loud a Solitude by Bohemian Rabal. I'm most assuredly pronouncing that name wrong. We, is... we tried really hard, though. Yeah, we, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, I think it's pretty close, according to Google. Yeah, Czech, so I don't speak <laughs> Czech, Czechoslovakian. Yeah. So... <laughs> I don't None speak Czech. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, too loud of solitude. And um, why'd you pick it? Well, yeah. Um, I mean. Don't say the first thing you said. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. No, I, I will be very earnest and, like, embarrassingly earnest. This book has been with me since probably my, like, late teens, early 20s. Okay. It was a, like very crucial book for me kind of coming into my own in my like taste in reading I kind of you know would just glom onto whatever anyone recommended to me and this book I feel was kind of my first like book I've just I discovered on my own it wasn't a classic it wasn't something recommended to me by a friend how did you discover it that's a great question. I have no no clue. Oh, no seriously? clue. Yeah. Oh, like, it's fun. That's fun. The stacks and yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it was just like a very like I I think because I was a lit bro in my early twenties. Don't hold it against me. <laughs> yeah, you know. I I was a a huge. I mean, I still am. I I should say I'm still I'm a huge Kafka fan, and I think I was thinking. Czech literature, that's something that I'm probably into, because mm-hmm. Kafka was, I mean, technically Czech, so I think I probably did, like, a quick Google search and came across this author. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, once again, don't hold this against me, studied film for a brief minute in college, and uh, his his book... Uh, Graven Cl- Images, artist. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
The point is, this author wrote a book called Closely Watched Trains, which was turned into a movie. This was also turned into a movie. Did you know that? I knew they were doing a... It's like a short film. A short with yeah. Paul yeah. Giamatti. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, and it's like puppetry. It's, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, you guys wait no more. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, as someone that came to this book as like one of his favorites for a long time yeah. in his mid-20s. You know like, everything. Yes. Yeah. But Closely Watched Trains was, I think, Criterion put it out, and I was like, Criterion, bro? I still am. I'm not going to lie. There's nothing wrong with that. Right here, it's great. (laughs) And I watched that. I'm like, oh, that's a fun movie. And then I I discovered our local library had the book. And I read the book. And I really enjoyed the book. And then I sought out, like, every other book of his that I could find. And this happened to be, like, the big one for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It i got to say, it, it felt very much like a Jai book as it, I was reading it. It made sense to me. And yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So Jai, why don't you give us a little, little brief synopsis of what this book is about? Uh, this book is about a waste paper compactor in communist Czechoslovakia. Uh, his name's Hanta, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I once again, probably butchering names here. Um, I mean, this is a novella. It's under 100 pages. It's 98 pages, I think, I want to say. Um, And it's just kind of about his life. Um, I mean, like, I think the first couple sentences mentions it's his love story. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes through his different... First off, like, actual loves with different women, but also his loves of, like, literature and art and all kind of, you know, ties together, culminates in a way. Um, I find it very beautiful. I find it very uh, touching. I mean, this is probably my fifth time reading it. Um, and I've had a completely different reaction this time than the previous four times. Really? So I want to hear more about that, but can you tell us what is Hunter's profession yeah. and how does he spend his days? He, he compacts paper. So it's communist Czechoslovakia. They are like censoring a lot of books. They are sending a lot of books to be just crushed and that's what he does he operates a press that crushes books into little like paper bales yeah it's it's like books but it's also like garbage there's this whole scene about like like bloody butcher paper and just just paper in general it's it's like paper waste paper yeah yeah waste quote unquote which Mm. includes books butcher paper Mm -hmm. paintings yeah just basically anything and they they send it to him he crushes it into little bales um we can probably get more into this maybe a little later but i i think the the thing with hanta and his entire deal is this this is his like it's his profession but it's also he you know steals books from the waste paper to read he's kind of like an idiot savant in a way yeah he's also uh 
I'm not sure if he's a drunk, but he certainly enjoys his he's beer. He's a thousand percent yeah. a drunk. He's definitely yes. a drunk. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, basically, he steals the books and he's just lined his house with him. There are like lots of moving passages about him being fearful of being crushed under the weight yes. of two tons of books in his house. Like it's it's his like it feels at once like his job his education and his spiritual life. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. very much his passion, I think. I, I, I think, especially this time reading it, what kind of got me most was the way he compacted the books and how he would make quote-unquote art pieces out of mm-hmm. them and how he was very deliberate with yeah. that. And Yeah, I really, that was, that got me too, just his like, so he talks about, I mean, there's like the garbage element and there's the stuff that falls into the garbage that's not supposed to be there. And then they're like these beautiful books that he takes with him to bring home and sort of absorbs into his like, like his, I don't like his soul or his psyche. They like totally become part of who he is. But then, yeah, just like these things of like, there's this, he has this comment about how there are all of these like reproduction art pieces that are in there, you know, it's like Rembrandt's and whatever. Um, And how he's like, specifically putting like okay this book open to this page in the middle of this and then like lining the outside with these like you know reproductions of like van gogh sunflowers or whatever and like the golden light he's surrounded by because it's just like this super sort of beautiful moving weird art thing that he's doing in the midst of this like dank disgusting gross basement full of trash you know and it's like like his life's work like he talks in the early parts about how Soon he's going to retire and he's saving up money so we can buy this press so we can take it to his uncle, his uncle's property yeah. and like set it up and only make his art pieces that are these like bales of, you know, of garbage and never get rid of any of them. Just like, but it's like, it's so weirdly like kind of beautiful and kind of moving, you know, to like find this, this meaning in, in literal just garbage, 35 years of garbage, yeah. you know, like what, I mean, what struck me is like, even like from the first like page, even the, I don't know. I often feel like I'm not the most astute reader of tone, but like it, it feels like a really joyful book amidst a lot of like really like Soviet bleakness. Mm. Um, and, and even, I mean, and even the bleakness that Hanta has experienced in his life and even sort of the the um the how clear-eyed he is about mm. his profession and where it's leading and just like the drudgery of his days but it is like the prose is like ebullient which is a word I've never said out loud so <laughs> feel free to write in if I've mispronounced it no and it, I mean it is just sort of a it's effusive and I and I thought about this as a dry book because it is it's like long sentences yeah <laughs> I mean even like from a stylistic perspective but it's like long sentences that um contain uh that sort of like take all of the different parts of his life and include them just even in minutia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'll have you know this is not the first time this has been described as a Jai book. I, <laughs> there there was a, a class I took in college, a literature and translation class that did this book. And I remember, I think two or three people in the class were like, oh yeah, of course this is a 
one of Jai's favorite books. Yeah, that makes yeah, so much yeah, sense. Yeah. That's that's so obvious. Like, duh. Um, I I was like, I never thought of this as really a joyous book until this read through. Like, oh yeah. I, I I think that's the thing that really struck me this time is just it's him. It's it, Hunt is making. I mean, he's making art with mm-hmm. his trash and. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's something that really concerns me, like, for my day-to-day life is, I mean, not to get too, like, wild and weird or whatever, but just the small little things that you experience every day that you, yeah, you take and you you make into art somehow, like, the trash that you like grab and it's yours and it's no one else's i've i have pictures on my phone of this balloon that i saw like a couple blocks it moved a couple blocks each day for like a week around my neighborhood and i whenever i came across it i take a picture of it because i thought it was in some way maybe not profound but i thought like it's weird it's a balloon that's traveling and it's around me and I recognize it. Yeah. 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 You know, in in a way, like I was reading it and I, I mean, and I was obviously thinking of you. It also kind of reminds me of our life. Mm -hmm. Like retail is pretty, I mean, I, I really like my job, but working retail is Mm -hmm. You're a retail dredge. Yeah. That is what you are. And so, but then, like, you get to sort of like, like almost by a, osmosis, like, mm-hmm. absorb all of these beautiful books. Like, I, I mean, I yeah. feel like we're living in it as much as Hunter is. Yeah. Like, I just think about like when I'm doing like wholesale, like, returning books to the publisher and like the stripped book covers oh, or yeah. like tearing them off and just like chucking them into the recycling bin or like, I don't know. We're just like swimming in pounds and pounds and pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then to find meaning in that and to find joy in that. Yeah. Well, and then also like, so like there's the part, there's the part about like his job and his passions, you know? Um, but then there's a lot about sort of the other people in his like sort of direct community, like these people who he has interactions with like other sort of, um, like laborers, you know, people who work, uh, in like, like the sewer management stuff or heat control people. And like the stories they tell them, or, you know, there are people who he brings certain books to, or, you know, like, um, the professor he scams out of money. Yeah. By yeah, yeah. Pretending yes. Oh, yeah. actually, can you, will you tell the professor scenes are so funny. Can you, <laughs> really funny. Jack, can you there, tell us what happens? Yeah. So there's like this professor and Hanta, puts on a hat I think like so when he puts on the hat he's an old man and the professor tells him to lay off the young man that works in the waste paper and he's like here's like you know five dollars or whatever the currency is I don't remember yeah and then he takes off the hat runs a block down meets the professor again and it's like I'm being mistreated by the old man and the (laughs) professor gives him five dollars again to be like I'm sorry you have to go through this. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a... Yeah, yeah. It's, really, it's kind of slapsticky yeah. in a way, you know, or like... Or the stuff with, uh, what's what's his lady friend's name? Oh, my God. Uh, I haven't written oh, it on oh. here. Um, 
Manka. Oh my god. I I never I have never connected to a his I I I love Manka. I feel very of a piece with her. So Manka is his lady friend and they are they met when they were very young and he asked her to dance at a dance and she was so excited and she's wearing this dress with these flowing Devil flowing ribbons. ribbons. And so they're dancing and she's twirling and she's so joyous and she's twirling and she's twirling and he sees everybody around him looking horrified. And it turns out that she had dipped her ribbons in the latrine, so she's just like spraying shit everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And then she becomes ostracized. And then later in his life, do, does he win the lottery? What is it? He has money to burn. Yes, and yeah. he like takes her yeah, to a ski a resort. Ski resort. Yeah. yeah, ski resort. And they're like they're having a they're having a great time. Yeah. Like she seems like a really also, wonderful person. She makes it point. She's also just like stunningly beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the last day at the ski resort, there are uh, she's she squats to go poop behind yeah. some bushes. Yeah. And as she's skiing up past all the sunbathers, he sees everybody laughing and laughing and laughing. And apparently there was a turd so on, the back, turd on the back of her This ski. is a very scatological yeah. book. No, there's, there, there, there's a scene at the end where he's like looking at what it's like his, I want to say like football leagues or whatever yeah. that he's like Yeah, he's remembering. For, yeah, like and he, he steps in <laughs> dog shit. Uh-huh. And yeah. it's like. Yeah, it's like a memory for, from being a younger man. Oh, and he yeah. has, he's like, he, he has these open sandals, which is like the, the sole and like straps and purple socks. Yeah. And he's yeah. about to go on a date. Um, yeah. So he's stopping to like look at this flyer and he steps in something wet and gushy. And he's just like, I'm just going to look at like, he just like looks at the flyer like, fuck. So he's looking at it, and then he looks down and realizes he stepped in dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's also really redemptive, though. I mean, he says of Manka about, like, after the ski resort, he said, and there I knew we had come to the second chapter in the life of Manka, who never having known glory would never relinquish shame. <laughs> and then at the end of the book, he goes to visit her, and she has this, like, younger companion who's an artist who is make who's like cutting a stone figure of an angel that has yeah, her face like a marble yeah. figure yeah. of her yeah. as just, an angel I mean, and she's and just like sunbathing and it's yeah. just like obviously i yeah she's I, doing it, fine it, yeah it's so i mean it's scatological and also like redemptive which is yeah that's i i think that's this book is it's mm-hmm. the the like two i mean yeah it's it's the two sides it's yeah you know, he works with bloody butcher paper and he's crushing rats and mm-hmm. there's all these bugs and... And he's dirty. And, and well, he's, he's dirty. dirty. He yeah. doesn't, he won't shower because he's, he's afraid yes. if he does, <laughs> he'll just get sick if he's too clean. You know, yeah. like he's like lived he's in this gross. world so long. Oh, yeah. he lives with a million mice and he's worried he's going to eat the, like eat the wood on all of his shelves above his bed. <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah, he yeah. talks about, yeah, like crushing mice in the compactor because there are yeah. so many mice. Yeah. And like at some point, so he talks about like he's taken so many books home and he's got like this scaffolding above his bed with what he says is two tons of books over it. And he just like imagines at night he can hear the mice gnawing at the like shelving and someday all of the books are going to come down and crush him as like his comeuppance for having crushed all these mouse families in the <laughs> course of his job. And he's kind of like, he seems he's, kind of he's at okay ease with it. With it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so I just want to throw this in here and it's kind of going back to the like 
so there's this really amazing essay on LitHub that he wrote um, kind of about his like journey through writing. And this it's kind of a long chunk, but I'm going to read it. Um, which I love. So like he he got a degree in law, like he went to school, got a degree, never used it. <laughs> Yeah, it just makes sense because I, I mean, you talked to me about how you felt like reading this reminded you of taking philosophy classes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it totally belongs in <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. like modern philosophical problems is one of the favorite classes I've ever taken. And it's yeah. like this book should have been part of that reading yeah. list. But in the essay, he says, I completed my studies to become a doctor of laws, but I yielded so far to the law of reflection and writing that I took on a string of crazy jobs with the sole object of getting smeared, not just by the environments themselves, but by my eavesdropping on the things people say. And I never ceased to be amazed at how every weekend in the deserted office of the brewery where on weekdays my father and his accountant would work I could carry on jotting down the things that had befallen me in the course of a defamiliarizing week that I had dreamed up in the arcing of my mind and I went on playing like this with a sense of having my chest rubbed with goose fat by a beautiful girl so strongly <laughs> did I feel honored and anointed by the act of writing but I feel like like I read, so I, I read this and then I found this essay and I was like, holy shit, like this is this. This is exactly, he's Hanta for one. He did actually oh, work, yes. he worked as a yes. lace paper I wanted to bring that up, yeah. In addition to many other things. Um, and it's just like, like that, I was like, oh, it like crystallized the experience of reading this yeah. book for me. I was yeah. like, holy shit. Like he got a law degree but the whole time spent all of his waking hours just writing for pleasure. It's just, he was like, in this essay, he's like, I just couldn't wait to get back to my typewriter. You know, like every day, every weekend, that's all he did. Finishes his degree and then is like, fuck it. I just want to like go be around people being people and all the like the highs and the lows and sort of like, I don't know, just like sort of like just the idea of like he wanted to get smeared by the experience of living basically. And then he wanted to write about it. And it's like, it's just fucking cool. And that does remind me of our job a lot of the time because I feel like we're getting smeared by the experience of living <laughs> constantly, but like we just keep coming back to it. And we've all talked about like, I couldn't have a normal job, you know? Like I couldn't have a normal job after this job. Like, what am I gonna do? Go work in a cubicle? Like, no, we have to clean up shit and puke and we have to deal with like totally unhinged people on a regular basis from all across the spectrum of humanity. And it's like, I don't know how to be a normal person <laughs> like working no. in downtown Spokane as long as I have, but I totally sort of connect with that idea yeah. of just, I don't know, like sort of just the, the, the beauty of the beautiful parts and the, also the beauty of like the miserable parts. Yeah. You and know? also that the, the, the resignation almost, yeah. I mean, it also feels like a, a good moment to talk about sort of the political climate that this book came, like, was birthed in. Yeah. Yeah, so Harabal, which I'm sure I'm butchering, but we did really try our hardest. Uh, he wrote this in 1976, which was a difficult year for him. He was under a publishing ban and was being totally ostracized by the establishment due to the quote-unquote normalization campaign that happened after the Warsaw Pact led to an invasion of Czechoslovakia by various countries in the USSR, which was uh, prompted by 
the Czech government trying to have kind of a liberalization campaign. They wanted more rights for people. They wanted decentralization of banking. Mm -hmm. My Soviet-era politics are pretty rusty. Sure. <laughs> but essentially, essentially, writers and intellectuals who participated in the quote-unquote Prague, Prague Spring, which was that campaign to attempt to liberalize Czechoslovakia, were blacklisted. Something similar happened to... Magda Zabo, after she won an international prize for a book that was not strictly Soviet realist literature. Mm. Um, so we actually, he actually published this book five times in the underground press, which has a uh, particular name that I'm not going to try to pronounce. <laughs> um, but then it was finally published officially in 1989. Um, and in sort of the era after the quote-unquote normalization period, they, there was, uh, it's come to have been called the campaign of reluctant terror. And I am quoting directly from Wikipedia. <laughs> it involved careful adherence to Soviet Union's policy objectives and the use of what was perceived as the minimum amount of repression at home necessary to fulfill these objectives, which essentially ended up as like a relatively liberal society, but there was by no means any level of free speech. Mm. And he actually wrote it three times. And the first time was like a long prose poem. Mm -hmm. And then he had to go back, which makes, makes sense yeah. stylistically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do think this book, uh, from what I'm reading, like it's it's hard not to read it as like a metaphor about like censorship or whatever. I think particularly about the Hantas, the narrator. His, he has a friend who works in, it's like a scientist who studies sewage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he talks about how there's a war between the white rats and the brown rats. Yeah. And that ends up being like an extended metaphor about sort of like the futility and persistence of human violence but like this political upheaval is like a backdrop through the whole book which just kind of rang and rang for me especially as somebody who like does not know a lot about Soviet history yeah 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 well yeah there's that that scene pretty early on where these books are coming in that are just like beautiful like like gilt edge like leather bound like and they find out that there's like a whole I forget what library it is but like there's a barn full of these books yeah. and um, there's like this push to try to save them so they go to kind of like pull them out and the powers that be sort of confiscate them as like no no this is like official booty or whatever. And then they just like load all of these books onto flat pallet trains that they're getting like a flat rate of money for. And there's a scene and he's like, this is my younger days before, basically before he was like hardened to like the shittiness of humanity. But like seeing these beautiful books loaded on these flat pallets, the rain is coming down and he's talking about like the water that's coming out of the books are like gold and like the ink from the pages are running out. And he's just like, it's like, there are some heartbreaking moments in this, but like that scene was just like so viscerally just like, oh, like, like they're just like ripping the soul out of this man Ooh, yeah. by like piling these beautiful books onto this fucking train, you know, it was to ostensibly destroy them, you know, that, it was amazing. And then you forget that the timeline or word I did, uh, the timeline is such that, I mean, this man ex experienced like 
the reign of Hitler. Yeah. Like, and so there is that, that scene. So his first love is a woman who is not identified until the end of the book. And he just calls him the very gypsy last girl. Word. Yeah. Yes. The very last word. And they have this, I don't know, how this would you describe strange, her romance? Well, yeah. he, he's walking home one night drunk and she's outside of the pub. Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, I live that way, too. And so she walks with him. He's like, well. I gotta turn off here because that's the way to my house. And she's like, oh, that's the way to my house. And so she follows him. He's like, well, this is my building. And she's like, oh, that's my building too. And then she just goes into his apartment with him. And then every day when he gets off of work or gets done at the pub, she's just there waiting for him. And so they start this like sort of, I mean, it's like a relationship of convenience or something, but it's real. Like it's a real thing. It's very like... I think, like, almost honest. I mean, even though it, it it is, yeah, she, like, kind of forced her way into into his life, yeah. basically. I mean, he let her in, though. Yeah, he but that, that's the thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and I think, I, I think, I mean, the story is described as his romance. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, like, the books and the art that yeah. he makes. It's, you know... The girl who accidentally flung shit at people because it got caught in her ribbons, yeah. and the girl that followed him into his a- apartment, yeah. and it's yeah, yeah. So this but, it is it is revealed that she was sent to a concentration yeah. camp. So like one yeah, day, every day she's waiting for him, yeah. and then one day he leaves and she's not there, and then the next day she's not there, she's not there, not there, not there, and then it's like oh no, she got sent, she got rounded up and sent to yeah. you know she either got like. I was I, yeah anyway it's essentially just like she's just gone you yeah. know like she's there one day and she's just gone the next day and that that feels a, of a piece of when so he has um an uncle who I think he kind of looks up to who was a uh like Amanda Amanda railroad crossing mm-hmm. right he was a mm-hmm. station guard uh and the uncle and I think this is where he gets his idea to buy his own compactor and make bail, bales that are just art and after he is retired um, his uncle dies and nobody finds him for a few days. For and there two is, weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's this really, again, like a really, like, it's pretty, like, the, the, the body stuff is heavy. This uncle who he loves, he is scooping him up mm-hmm. and with like a trowel. With a sh- yeah. yeah, with yeah. a shovel. Yeah. And he's, like, taking the hair yeah. off the railroad yeah. tracks. The, the, yeah, the platform. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> He sort of had like, like shades of the stranger in that like there's a point where he talks about his mother passing and then he talks about his uncle passing, but it's sort of just like is it just kind of like no yeah. exactly I mean and I wouldn't like obviously there um, I mean this this book doesn't shy away from the dark parts of our lives oh, but no. it still it still feels like a joyful book to me yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, maybe maybe even because of that general yeah. um like closely watched trains that book deals a lot with kind of the like political climate at the time mm-hmm. um like pre-velvet revolution czechoslovakia which this book was originally published under um I Served the King of England, which is also really great. I want to reread that one. But that deals a lot with the rise of Nazis. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it's about a hotel bellhop. 
and you know he's he serves the king of england he you know goes and does that but he, he also serves like nazis and it's very just Rommel knew what he lived through mm -hmm. he lived through like the rise of the nazis he lived through the downfall of it he lived through this kind of like normalization of like you know i forget what they call it in czech republic now but from like the 40s to 89 <laughs> when this book was published mm -hmm. finally yeah, I mean, like, when did the Berlin Wall go down? I mean, it's the 80s. Yeah. Like, I, I think, like, 89, like, 88, 89, yeah. late 80s. Yeah. yeah, it was. David Hasselhoff was there. <laughs> what? He was. He was, yeah. Seriously? He, 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 he was sang. there. He sang. Yeah, he sang as he they sang were tearing the, down the wall. Yeah. Whoa. Which is wild and radical and also so fucking dumb fucking so dumb bonkers yeah everyone so yeah. dumb it could only be I, real yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah no i mean it i don't know we were talking about this during our, our little break just a second ago um like think not expressly this but it's making me think of this um yeah like his lifetime he experienced so many just like deeply tragic horrible things like he lived through so much i feel like <laughs> sometimes we feel like oh my god we're living through so much horrible shit right now which we are but look at his like his timeline is like unimaginable shit i'm not that he's I'm going not through. That worried about jai yeah. being disappeared no <laughs> yeah um but like i mean i, mean, I don't know what it you're sort doing of makes <laughs> sense that he would be writing a book and and like his kind of like philosophy again, I read an essay that he wrote, so I'm not by any means an expert, but it feels like he he is looking at the beauty of like the beautiful parts that are legitimately beautiful, but also finding this like these weird moments of beauty and just like the absolute muck and mire. I yeah, which is I, I think, you know, like essential during during these yeah, times. It's survival stuff. And and I mean, yeah, like once again, I'm you know, as as not to bring this up too hard as a Romanian Jewish person, I'm not worried about being deported off to a concentration camp like the Romanians in this book are or, you know, like the Jews were. Mm -hmm. um, but just like daily survival tactics. And I don't want to get too didactic here, but even with the like towards the end of the book, he mentions the like you know they're they're drinking milk and they're doing oh this God, yeah <laughs> oh who's drinking milk this is a great scene yes <laughs> will you describe this he visits a new paper compacting like process and it's all these guys and they can compact like a hundred bales in the time it takes them thanks to do four. Thanks to new technology. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Thanks to new technology and instead of drinking beer like he does, they drink milk. They are clear and happy and fine and God. it's terrible. It's well, awful. It's horrific. There's yeah. no, I mean, and, and once again, I don't want to be didactic about this, but as someone that works in an independent bookstore, mm -hmm. compared to like Amazon and these big sellers, that yeah. really resonated with me this time. This yeah. really was like, I'm 
I'm a guy that I am very proud of my small press table that I have set up with like the 15 shitty books on it, whatever. (laughs) They're great books. They're good books. But there's, so there's this line, which I've been been waiting for the time to read it. Um, What scared me was that suddenly I knew for certain that the day, the gigantic press before me was sounding the knell of a small of the small of all smaller presses. I saw that all this meant a new era in my specialty. That these people were different and their habits different. Gone were the days of small joys, of finds, of books thrown away by mistake. These people represented a new way of thinking. And it is just like this moment where he's like, "Fuck!" Like I'm obsolete now. I'm I, as someone that is like I'm. I'm very proud of my small press table. I'm very proud of the people that I put on that table, the books I put on that table. And it's it's not an accident. It's not me like, oh, this is just some like random bullshit book I'm going to throw on there because of a weird algorithm mm-hmm. or some shit like that. And, you know, that I mean, it's it's kind of a maybe a stretch a bit to no I mean I, I think two, this book but. feels like a, a valor like a valorization of that way of living which is like the only the only way I want to live you know yeah I, I, I'm a man that you know wants to take the small pieces of everyday living and make it art in some weird way I don't know how but I try my best to do this to do I mean it does kind of make sense that this was my favorite book like yeah. in my mid 20s and no. my like very essential yeah. age to me and it makes sense that a lot of people read this and go like oh yeah this is totally jay's bullshit so yeah uh, no it's yeah. no it's so of a piece i mean yeah no I, well like so there's this part early on where he's like talking about walking through and like noticing all of these like little moments of like greek inspired architecture like walking around prague you know and like oh, yeah. this thing this thing this thing pointing it all out imagining whatever and then he talks about this new factory and they mention how they all got to go on holiday to greece and he's like this is after the milk part like they all go and break they're all drinking milk um <laughs> and they're all talking about this thing um and he says that Greek holiday of theirs gave me a real jolt. I had dreamed myself to Greece by reading Herder and Hegel. I had developed a, Di- a Dionysic concept of the world by reading Frederick Nietzsche. I had never been on a holiday. I had to spend nearly all of my time off making up missed days. And if I did have a day off left over, um, excuse me, uh, I'd work for the extra pay because I was always behind. There were always mounds of paper in the cellar and in the courtyard, more paper than I could get to. So for 35 years, I've lived with, lived through a daily Sisyphus complex, the kind so beautifully described for me by Messrs, uh, by Monsters Sartre and Camus. Um, And it's just like, yeah, just this moment where he's like, oh my God, all of the meaning I found in all of this, all of the beauty, all of the whatever is rendered null and void by this like one moment where I'm watching these workers drink milk and talk about their holiday to Greece, you know? And it's just like, like this whole like universe he's built around finding the beauty and the meaning in these menial tasks has just been like fucking obliterated. You know, it's like, it's so 
like the end part of that book is so just like yeah so that scene is tragic nearly the end of what's does somebody want to say to our dear listeners what the actual end is? <laughs> he compacts himself. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. He, um, so basically these two, his boss brings in these two new young workers from this sort of, was it socialist brigade of? Yeah. With, with the, yeah. the milk drinkers. The milk drinkers <laughs> come in and they clear out his cellar. They're throwing shit away. He's watching them throw these books they, into the compactor. Yeah, they, they don't give a shit. Don't you know, care. Don't it, care. It does not matter that yeah. it's like the Bible or Lao Tzu or yeah. any of these like big intellectual thinkers. Mm-hmm. They just, their entire thing is proficiency. Yep. And getting that's what rid of the shit, getting the job getting, done. Yeah. So he kind of spends a day. He, he rescues um, one book that he delivers to the guy about, uh, uh, shit. uh fuck, shit. um, fuck. Like a transcontinental flight or something. Um, anyway, so he, he brings his book to this guy. The guy's so thrilled, gives him this letter of thanks. Uh, you know, he like he's revisiting some of the people he's mentioned earlier in the book. And every every time, every instance, he has these interactions. He's like, "This is the last one. This is it." You know, like this is the last moment of this. This is the last moment of this. He spends a whole day just getting drunk, wandering around Prague aimlessly, because he's like, "No, my life is over." Like. The books I've collected are meaningless. The life I've built is meaningless. Um, And then he, after a day of drinking, he goes to his cellar where the compactor is after hours, unlocks the door, grabs a book, opens it to the page where like one of the most like transcendent lines that he's read ever, opens it, climbs in the compactor, pushes the button, and lets it crush him. And it's like, he's talking about, oh, my knees are at my chin. Oh, the the cover of the book is pushing up into my ribs. And then like in that moment, he remembers the name of the quote gypsy girl that he was in love with. And that's it. That's the last that's it. He just, you know. Do, uh, do you guys know anything about Bravel's death? No. He leapt from, defenestrated himself. Oh. That's it. Yes, which is something that pops up in his fiction more than once. Is Well, he's feeding the pigeons. He's, feed, he's right? quote-unquote yeah. trying to feed the pigeons, and then he fell, quote-unquote, fell out of his window. But his doctors were sure. But, yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely, I mean, I can't say for certain, but in my opinion... It was very purposeful that he fell to his death. It sounds like that is the consensus that it was a mm-hmm. suicide. This yeah. is, I'm entering a world where I have never been and holding a book open to the page that says every beloved object is the center of a garden of paradise. <laughs> Stop talking about my life. <laughs> good. And so like, like that line is like, it is sort of the encapsulation of his existence up until that point. Like yeah. every, he has all of these beloved objects that he's collected and he's realized for better or worse, whether it's true or not, that, None of it matters now. So he's following the footsteps of Seneca and t- choosing and, choosing yeah. his own way out. It's, it was mm. just, I, yeah. The more I think about it, the more I'm just like, 
I think maybe I fucking love this book, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, the more I sit with it and the more I think about it, I'm just like, damn, bro. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. I don't know. It's only 98 pages, too. Like, you can read it. Yeah. You can read it in the weekend. I... I think you could probably read it in two hours. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's a two hour long book, and you, I, you just should. Yeah, hey, um, why not? What else are you doing? <laughs> what are you gonna do? You can watch the Mandalorian. <laughs> oh my God, Russell just asked me if I wanted to watch the Mandalorian with him. <laughs> I haven't watched the Mandalorian. Oh man, I, I did. I did watch the other one, the the one about fascism. Oh yeah, yeah, I did the, too. Uh, I did too because Maslin and Steven were like, "You have to watch it." Yeah, it's not a Star Wars story. It's a no, story d- about fighting fascism that Jeremy just happens to be in the too. Star Wars universe. Yeah, and I, I like get it, but it's like <laughs> just, just, just read the Mandarins. Just do <laughs> that. Yeah, no. <laughs> just do that. I will that. say, as far as I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not a Star. None of us here are Star Wars. People. No. Are you? No. You're, okay. That's I, right. I, I, check. I, I, <laughs> I think I've told you both the story about how I've like ruined the third like Star Wars episode three for the theater goers at the time because I went with a bunch of friends and we were laughing at it. (laughs) Exceptionally bad. And I I, I just thought it was a really like corny movie Mm -hmm. and the people in people in the theater got really fucking pissed off at me. And of course, I was a dumb teen at the time, but but it's also it's a dumb movie. But, but also, yeah, Anakin I, sucks. As you know, Fuck I, Anakin. I, I grew up with the original trilogy. It was fine. I loved it then. I'm also I, I don't have any fealty to it. It's fine. It's fine. I, I'm, I'm not going to watch the show. Some fealty to it. I watch. I watch it once every couple of years and be like, yeah, I like this. I didn't watch the original three until it's like Indiana like, Jones. That's how I feel about Indiana Jones and all the sexual harassment. And him stealing these uh, African artifacts. Okay, I know. But, yeah. <laughs> they belong in a museum. No, 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 they belong with the people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I, I do understand. As far as- I understand the appeal. I understand why people are into it. I also have no... You say the one about fascism, and I have no clue what the fuck you're talking yeah. about. Which one right was now? it? It was called. It's called I can't something. Remember. It's good. Oh my god! I watched. People I watched all of it. No, I didn't. I fell asleep, and Russell picked it up me. And yeah. I will say, in terms of Star it's got, Wars universe, it's got Pedro Pascal. No, it doesn't. No, it's Mandalorian <laughs> has Pedro <laughs> Pascal. Nope. It doesn't even have uh, that. Oh, I almost had it. It's the name of the planet. Mm. Mm. I don't remember what it's called. Okay. Text also, you should probably just read Too Loud of Solitude, which is a beautiful yeah, work of literature. Yeah. I don't know how we got into Star Wars here. I think it's probably we, time for us to sign off. Yeah, we, <laughs> Maybe. We, uh, so we have on Instagram. We have an Instagram. It is uh, do a dummy copy. Hang on. Dummy.copy.tpg. Also, at Auntie's Bookstore, Jai has many shelf talkers up, and you should buy things you that should. he recommends. Jai has impeccable taste. Thanks for coming, Jai. Hey, thanks. Jai, I, uh, you should you come know. again. Yeah. yeah.
We'll have you I'd back. I'd be more than happy to. Let let me read whatever bullshit you guys want me to yeah, read. Yeah, you assign us stuff, we'll assign you stuff. Yeah, it's no. great. But it'll be great. I it'll mean, this fun. is our lives anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. that's all we do. Just read shit and talk about it. Yeah. It's not what we do. We drink. I do drink. Sometimes. That's, that's yeah. also true. I'm... Cheers. 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 Good night, guys. Down the car. Down the car.